You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist, been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps, I'm delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. I want to talk about meeting the next most important stranger in your life. There are people who are really important to you in life, people that you're with at the moment, or people that you have met along the way that changed your life or encountering them made you take a new path, who you now realize and recognize as important people in your life, perhaps the most important people in your life. But with the exception probably of our parents and maybe our siblings, an awful lot of siblings don't help people move forward in their lives, quite the opposite. But with the exception of our family, all of the most important people in our lives were once complete and utter strangers. I had a conversation with a client recently in relation to how we encounter life-changing moments, how life-changing moments often come in little moments rather than big moments, just as an aside, an important aside. had an email from an online program owner a couple of weeks ago who said that as he moved through the online program and realized how the universe really works, how this world of ours really works, how we encounter events and situations and people that enable us move forward in our lives. He assumed at the outset that these would be big events like being, and I quote, struck by lightning on the road to Damascus. You may have heard me say before that that doesn't happen many people. I've seen it happen people. I've seen people literally be struck by lightning and their lives change in the space of 20 minutes. Not many, but a few. But most people, rather than being drenched in a thunderstorm, gradually get wet in the light drizzle of the moment-to-moment encounters and nows that we have in our lives that move us in the right direction. So this online program owner said to me that he had expected to be struck by lightning on the road to Damascus. But in opening his mind, and this is a quote, and it's a wonderful quote, in gradually opening his mind, he realized that he was opening a door and that as he stepped through the door, he realized that opportunity comes along on the light breeze of the moment. In other words, little tempestuous happens in our lives. It's the moment to moment stuff that actually matters. Back to the guy I was having a conversation with last week. In the course of the conversation, he used the term random half a dozen times. I was counting because random is a really interesting word. It's a, it's actually a meaningless word. It's a word used by normal crazy people to describe the exact opposite of random. He was talking about meeting random people. He was talking about random events. He was talking about going out clubbing on a Friday night and talking or having to talk to random people. And eventually I stopped him and said to him, you've used the word random half a dozen times now. I've been counting. There's nothing random 
Nothing ever random happens in our lives. What's happening in our lives moment to moment are moments of our life. Now, that's the first and most important thing you and I need to understand. People are often looking forward to their lives. People are often looking forward to the achievement of their goals and objectives. I recollect a conversation that I had with a sales manager probably 20 years ago at this stage. He was about 40 when I met him for the first time, and he said that he had realized that for the 15 years preceding when he and I met, he had been working towards sales targets, towards goals, year in, year out, quarter in, quarter out, from month to month. And he realized that he'd been living in a constant state of dissatisfaction, looking forward. An awful lot of people around my age are looking forward to retirement. <laughs> Don't get me started on that one. People think they can start living their lives in their early 60s when the cut and thrust of life is actually happening you here and now. So we need to get this into our heads. If we view what's going on in our lives as a random stream of nothing from moment to moment, day to day, then we're actually missing the flow of our own lives. If people have that impression of life, if you have that impression of life, it is as a result of the way in which you are allowing your mind abuse you. Yes, the normal mind doesn't rule our lives. It ruins our lives. It doesn't run our day-to-day -day lives. It ruins the experience of our day-to-day -day lives by ensuring that we are only alert enough to survive from one day to the next. It's the way our brains are designed. If you have this impression of life or have this sense of life or this feeling that one day is pretty much the same as the next. I mean, here we are more than halfway through the first month of the new year. And I bet you that this year feels very much like last year to you. And that is because you're allowing your mind abuse you. You're allowing your mind run on automatic pilot to ensure that you make it through the day. You're using the mind that nature gave you or the mind that God gave you, or whatever way you want to put it. You're using the mind that evolution gave you. And when we're in that state of mind, we can use throwaway remarks like random people or random events or bumping into people on a Friday night in a club, random people. But that isn't a turn of phrase. That is you actually expressing how you view, perceive, and don't experience the reality of your life. Because if you have a sense that you're only bumping into random people on a day-to-day -day basis, then the randomness of that is a choice you make. You are actually thinking that things are random. And you know the old expression that there's nothing new under the sun, and people often say to me when they have a particular problem, when I'm coaching them one-to-one, -one, they say, I'm sure you've come across this before, there's nothing new under the sun. Every moment is unique. Every person is unique. One size fits nobody. You need to learn how to turn yourself on so you switch your mind from the assumption. It's an inbuilt automatic assumption that the stuff of today's life is routine. It's mundane. It is, to use the word I used a couple of minutes ago, random. There's no such thing as random in this life of ours. We only think that. Now, it, it's safe to think that, by the way, because think of the alternative. 
nothing is random and everything is a potential opportunity. We need to address that for just a moment. That is a problem which one of my online program owners calls shiny object syndrome. And you've probably heard of it before. You are, in all probability, a sufferer. <laughs> you suffer from shiny object syndrome. I have this. Oh, look at that. I want that. Or uh, I'm in a particular job at the moment. The far off hills are green. There's another version of shiny object syndrome or perhaps random shiny object syndrome. But let's let's get a balance here, because if on the one hand, nothing is random. On the other hand, everything could potentially be a shiny object that would lead you in the right direction. And of course, that couldn't be the case because your path is, as I said a moment ago, when I said one size fits nobody, your path is unique to you. The path you need to put one foot forward on one now at a time today and every day is your path and your path alone. Now, the interesting thing is that an awful lot of people will assume they're traveling this path with other people. That's not often the case. It's certainly not always the case. First of all, you will assume that you're traveling with the person that you thought you were. Let's deal with this for just a minute. Because I had a conversation, a one-to-one -one conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago who is in the process of opening their mind to the possibilities of the opportunities and synchronicities of this world of ours, of this daily life of ours, of one now to the next, which is effectively what this episode is all about. This person is involved in a mortal struggle, or what feels like a mortal struggle the moment because she said to me i'm opening my mind i'm beginning to understand through experience that life is not full of random events it's full of potential opportunities now potential is a very important word in that statement she said and at exactly the same time i have this voice in my head the voice that i've always had in my hand head saying no you can't do this no you can't do that no you're not up to this no you know you couldn't do that or worse you know you don't deserve that or you are unworthy she said i've always had this noise in my head but the noise is getting louder. She said, on the one hand, I'm finding peace of mind in certain moments in the realization of how the world works. And on the other hand, there's a shouting match going on in my head. Am I getting worse rather than better? And I said to her, no, you're becoming aware of the noise in your own head. And the more we become aware of the noise in our own head, the louder it appears to be. It reminds me of another conversation with a client many years ago who was really struggling with the screaming match going on in his own head. And he said to me, are my 70,000 thoughts worse than everybody else's? What do you think about that? He asked me. And I said to him, now, now as an aside, you know the 70,000 thoughts that I'm talking about because the neural lab in UCLA in California has calculated that the normal crazy mind has on average 70,000 thoughts whizzing through it during each waking day. That's the 70,000 thoughts to which my friend was referring. He said, are my 70,000 thoughts worse than everybody else's? He said, because they're awfully loud in my head and they're tearing me apart. I said, no, you're not unique. You're not even special. You've just become increasingly aware of the 70,000 thoughts in your head. And that is something you may have experienced as you've started out on this journey, that you realize that you feel or experience that the noise in your head is getting louder. 
I've often said to people that as part of my training in Vipassana meditation, I recollect the first ever 11-day silent retreat that I did. The gong went off at four o'clock in the morning. There was a race for the showers, communal showers, very basic accommodation. You were in the meditation hall at 4.30 in the morning. You meditated in complete silence till 7 o'clock. Then from 7 to 7.30, you had breakfast in silence. Then from 7.30 to midday, you meditated in silence. Then from midday till 1 o'clock, you ate lunch in silence. Then from 1 o'clock to 5 o'clock, you meditated in silence. Then you had a piece of fruit. That was the evening meal from five o'clock to 5.30 in the evening in silence. And then from 6.30 till 9 p.m. you meditated in silence. It's enough to drive somebody mad or in fact to realize, and this is the really important thing, how mad we are when we allow our minds abuse us. I recollect on the third day, and I've spoken to a number of clients to whom I've recommended this particular approach over the years, and they've all had the same experience on the third day. On the third day, your mind is screaming at you. There's all kinds of muck coming up from the depths of your mind. And the only difference between the third day and any normal day of your life is that you, on the third day, are aware of the muck in your own head. As things stand, you're not aware of the muck in your own head on a day-to-day -day basis. You will become increasingly aware of it the more that you meditate. And it is like a rite of passage because the muck in your head will eventually be found out for what it is. Nothing. Because the thoughts in your own head amount to nothing unless you give them your attention. And you see, when we use our minds normally, unaware of it, we are giving our attention subconsciously to those thoughts day in, day out. They are the thoughts that lead us to the conclusion that we're meeting random people or encountering random events. But back to the road that you need to take. And as I said to you, you may be of the belief that you're taking this road with other people, the road you're traveling towards the life that you would love to live. We talked about family earlier on. I talked about parents and siblings. And an awful lot of families are simply a group of normal, crazy individuals thrown together by virtue of birth rather than anything else. Certainly, as somebody said to me recently, at least I can choose my friends. I can't choose my family. And as somebody else said to me recently, at least I can resign from my job. I can't resign from my family. Now, that is actually not true because some families are so dysfunctional, you'd be better off walking away from them. But that's not the point I want to make here. The point I want to make here is that the road you need to take to the life that is best for you, the life that you would love to live, is a singular road. It is a road where you will lose people who you thought were your friends, who in fact were only acquaintances. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It is a road that will lead you to a place that your normal crazy mind could never imagine. And it is a road that as you travel it through your own presence, you will bring other people along with you. 
You will bring very often your nearest and dearest along with you. You will bring your children along with you by virtue of the fact that, as we know from recent research, the mood in which I find myself or the mood that I choose for myself, come back to that in a moment, the mood that I choose for myself has an effect on my DNA. And the research has actually been done on DNA taken from the individuals in the research by swab and put in a laboratory in a remote location. And the mood that the individuals in the research are in affects the remote located DNA. In other words, our mood affecting our DNA also has an impact on our children's DNA. So even at the basic building levels of DNA, my presence of mind, as distinct from my absence from my life when I'm using my mind normally, has an impact on those who are closest to me. Now, obviously, I don't share DNA with my nearest and dearest, but hopefully we share a load of other things, not least of which the energy between us and the dynamic of the energy that we have between us. But there is another person, there's an interloper on this particular journey. And it goes back to the point I was making a minute ago in relation to the muck that comes up in your mind on the third day of a silent retreat. The muck that is there all the time, the muck that my friend referred to when he asked me if I thought his 70,000 thoughts were worse than anybody else's. He was becoming aware of them. They were becoming amplified as a result of his developing awareness. And what he realized and what everybody with whom I have ever worked realizes is that this person, though not real, has been your traveling companion for all of your adult life on this road that you must take alone. On this road that you must take free from the constraints of your traveling companion. Your traveling companion is known in cognitive psychology as the conceptual self, which describes this guy or girl down to a T. It's a bundle of concepts. It's a bundle of, I used the word a minute ago, and this is what it really is, a bundle of muck in your own head that's holding you back. And even if it's good muck, even if you think you have a load of strengths instead of a load of weaknesses, even if you are a so-called positive person, the thoughts in your own head are still muck because they are dirtying your ability to experience the reality of the here and now. And as we said earlier on, your life is lived in here and now, so you better turn up. And more importantly, in enabling you experience the here and now, the muck in your own head is distancing you from your own true nature, who you are and what you are. Now, a number of people in my online program have asked me in the last couple of weeks, what do I mean by the last statement that I just made? What you are. That is something that we need to devote a whole session to, because essentially what you are is not what you think you are. We are at our most basic level. I, I talked about the building blocks of DNA a minute ago. There are more minuscule and universal building blocks below that. Um, what is known in quantum physics as superstrings of energy. But we'll come back to that some other time because effectively we're all made of energy. And indeed, I alluded to that a minute ago in relation to the energy and the dynamic of the energy that we might share with our nearest and dearest. 
back to where we started because you may be beginning to realize that if we're energy and if my mood affects the mood of people with whom I share DNA and we know because cognitive psychology and behavioral psychology has been exploring this for decades we know that my mood affects everyone else's mood in the room so to speak now we actually know from quantum physics that my mood affects everything because my energy is part of universal energy but that's beside the point let's keep this simple we all know that somebody who walks into a room with presence lifts the room and we all know that some energy vampire that walks into a room drags the room down so we're all connected. We could spend weeks, months, possibly years looking at the science behind just how connected we are. As a result of which you need to understand that there's no such thing as random. So let's dig a little deeper here. Because as I said earlier on, if there is no such thing as random, then everything is a potential opportunity. But as I said again earlier on, the key word in that sentence is potential. Because on the one hand, you have this dead to the world, normal crazy mind thinking to itself, oh, all the events and people I meet today, that just random part and parcel of the muck of everyday life as I struggle to make it from one day to the next in survival mode. That's one side of the equation. On the other hand, the other side of the balance sheet, that's the accountant coming out at me. On the other side of the balance sheet, there is the possibility of everything being a shiny object. And if I go off to that extreme, I'm going to suffer from shiny objects syndrome, and I'm going to end up behaving like the proverbial headless chicken. Like everything else in life, there is a balance to be struck. So the first thing we need to realize in realizing that there is no such thing as random is that everything that you encounter and every person that you encounter in the moment presents you with either a potential threat or a potential opportunity. Let's deal with the threat first. Our minds, our brains actually evolved to deal with the threat. So that's looked after. That's automatic. <laughs> actually, it's automatic only if you let it, because an awful lot of people with whom I've worked have left from, for example, one abusive relationship into another abusive relationship. They didn't see the threat coming because of the way in which their automatic mind was just saying, oh, this person is random as well. So, you know, we'll hop from the frying pan into the fire. Everything that you encounter, and encounter is the important word, because when we're using our minds normally, you encounter nothing. You are dead to the world. You are dead to your own life. You are missing your own life. It is passing you by as we speak. Everything that you encounter, every person that you encounter, is a potential opportunity or a potential threat. We've dealt with threats. Your mind is wired to deal with threats. Your mind is wired to ignore opportunities, by the way, because your mind is so focused from an evolutionary perspective on threats. But when we develop our ability to be present, when we get past the third day, so to speak, when we develop our ability to be present, we begin to encounter and understand opportunities for what they are as we encounter them. But in the same way that you and I could encounter a situation and I would be motivated and you'd be stressed out, each opportunity will elicit a response, not a reaction, 
a reaction. It's only something that normal crazy people do on automatic. Will elicit a response from you or I, depending on the direction in which we want our life to flow. Bear with me on this. Because if an opportunity is for me, and I am aware, because I'm developing my awareness, as a result of which I'm in a clear state of mind, I will recognize the opportunity for what it is, but I will then go on to recognize whether or not it is an opportunity for me. In other words, I will contextualize the opportunity, in this case, not based on the normal automatic thought processes of my normal crazy mind, but on the basis of my gut instinct. Now, we've talked about gut instinct before. We'll talk about it again. Gut instinct is so important because gut instinct comes from my true nature. I used that phrase earlier on, gut instinct comes from what I am. I used that phrase earlier on as well. Gut instinct does not come from my thinking mind. And people often ask me, how will I know the difference between my thinking mind masquerading as my gut instinct on the one hand and real gut instinct? And my answer always is, you'll know the difference because you'll feel it. Because gut instinct is, as the name suggests, a feeling. Allowing my gut instinct, not using my gut instinct, because uh, uh, when I'm clear and present in my mind, I allow my gut instincts evaluate things as they come into my field of moment to moment experience. Allowing my gut instinct to evaluate a potential opportunity, my gut instinct will either match it to the direction in which I would love my life to go or say, that's an opportunity, but it's not an opportunity for you. Now, when it matches it, in other words, when it contextualizes, that opportunity becomes what is known as a synchronicity. It is something that will lead me forward on the path that I talked about earlier on. And then I will be able to put my best foot forward on that path because I am aware enough to have recognized what normal crazy people think is a random event or a random person. I've recognized it as an opportunity for me. I have recognized it as a synchronicity. It will enable me move my life forward. For whatever reason, at points in our lives, this recognition has come to us effortlessly. It has come to us naturally. It comes to us when we meet those next most important strangers in our lives. It comes to us when, for whatever reason, we are open and alert to the possibility at that moment in time. When we bump into our future nearest and dearest, or when we stumble across somebody who gives us a piece of information who changes our lives. I've referred to um, Jerry Kushel before, the American psychologist whom I met in 1992 in the Swiss Alps, somebody who changed my life. I've actually also referred to uh, my French teacher in secondary school, somebody who I believe to have had a hand, act and part in the fact that I am speaking to you from the French Alps. You see, we encounter these people, and for whatever reason, at whatever point in time, we encounter these people in an open state of mind, and they become the next most important strangers in our lives. They change our lives, or they lead us forward. The interesting thing is that we probably encounter these people in our youth rather than in our later life. It's interesting 
and most of the people with whom I work, I meet them for the first time. They're either from their late 40s onwards. A lot of the people I've met recently seem to be in their mid to late 50s, realizing that, and I quote, as somebody said to me recently, oh my God, I've wasted the first 59 years of my life. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'll come back to it. It doesn't matter in a minute. But an awful lot of people have said to me, where's the carefree 20-something that I once was? And it's often when we are in that zone, the carefree 20-something, that we have encountered these next most important strangers in our lives, that we were, for whatever reason or for whatever set of circumstances, coincidences or synchronicities, at those moments in time, we're more open to these life-changing movements forward on our path. The thing we need to do as grown-ups, <laughs> now there's an interesting phrase, the thing we need to do as we grow wiser as a result of developing our awareness is ensure that we're in that state of mind more and more frequently. Now, we don't have to do anything to be in that state of mind other than practice developing our awareness through meditation. Meditation will look after that because it restructures the brain to notice opportunity in as much as the brain was evolved to notice threat. Meditation will look after that for us. But let's come back right to the start of our conversation. Let's come back to the apparent normal randomness of stuff. Let's come back to the way in which people miss opportunities in their lives as a result of being tone deaf to what's actually going on because they're not present. Let's come back to that and the comment I made a minute ago in relation to somebody saying to me that, oh, I wasted the first 59 years of my life. Let's come back on the one hand to all that. And on the other hand, the key point, the key point that you and I must always remember and bear in mind. That none of what has passed matters. What matters is what's happening now. What matters is whether you are aware or not of what's happening now. What matters is whether you are now aware of what you are or not. And it is a choice that you make. I mentioned in the video, the Thursday video, that accompanies this week's podcast. And by the way, if you don't get my Thursday video, there's over 800 of them, or actually almost 800 of them, I think, at this stage that go out every Thursday morning, you can click a link associated with this podcast episode and sign up to ensure that that drops into your inbox on a Thursday morning. But the video, the short video that goes with this week's podcast talks about the fact that we are in the middle of January and a couple of days ago, Monday, the what was it, 16th of January, was apparently, according to research, or at least surveys, the most depressing day of the year. It's known as Blue Monday. I made a point in the video that goes with this week's podcast that you choose the colour of your day. I spoke to a load of people on Monday who certainly weren't blue. I actually made the point in the video that they were wholly in the pink. They were fully enjoying the flow. They were fully aware of what they are and allowing the synchronicities of life lead them forward on Monday. It's very important that we realize that when I say to you that you need to be aware of what you are, you need to be present in the moment, you need to turn up to the here and now, you need to tune into the here and now, that it's every here and now. That it isn't just at the start of the day, it's during the course of the day. And if you're meditating first thing in the morning, 
that's great, obviously, that's the fundamental, that's the foundation that will enable you put your best foot forward on this very particular journey of yours, that's great, but you need to ensure that you constantly and consistently remind yourself during the day to be present, to choose your color of the moment. My color now, as I said in the associated video, is clear. Uh, I can see straight through the thoughts in my own head, which actually aren't there, they have no power over me anymore because I don't give them my attention anymore. I can see what's going on. I know who I am. I know what I am. And I'm living my life in flow. And that is such a totally different experience to the muck through which the normal mind wallows every day. Make your choice. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, Join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called, To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-horton.com.